Hey there, this is Emily. And this is Rosa. Welcome to the Unchecked Podcast. We are two women from two different countries who will talk about living life in their late 20s. Hey folks, welcome back to episode two. So today we're going to talk about family and expectations, specifically looking at how family expectations has shaped us growing up, how it affects us now, how it has shaped our personality and who we are as individuals, and whether or not it has influenced our career paths and our decisions. We're also going to end the podcast with a few memorable stories with our families. So I'm going to go first. Wow. Family expectations is such a huge topic. I don't honestly don't think I can cover it an entire episode or the entire 30 or 40 minutes we're going to talk together today. Um, but it's so interesting. So as some background for those of you who don't know me, um, I am Chinese American. My parents uh, are from Hong Kong and they immigrated here when they were younger. Uh, but I was born in America and uh, it's the idea of split identities, right? I uh, cherish and I value my Chinese identity, but at the same time, I really wish there are parts of me and parts of things in my family that were more American. And I think one of that is just the idea of independence. When I was a kid, I always followed the rules. Um, I always followed my parents. My dad is the person that's you know takes care of the family. My mom's the caretaker, and I just listened to them. Right, I was that quiet Asian kid. Uh, who followed the rules, whether in school or at home. And I was also a straight-A student. <laughs> uh, I, I remember the first time I got an 80 on a test was in middle school, and I started crying. Wow. Because I was like, what, is, what is an 80? That's like an F in my book. Um, so the, kind of the perfect straight-A student all the way to uh, college as well. And I just wanted to be the best version of myself and I wanted my parents to be proud of me and so I really can't tell if it's because of my parents that has honed that in me because to be honest while my parents are from Hong Kong they're pretty Americanized in the idea that they just want me to be happy um, but I feel like for me there has always been this pent-up emotional energy of needing to prove myself, needing to make sure they were proud of me, needing to make sure that they said, you know, good job, Emily, you did this well. I'm so happy for you. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, because I've craved for that, that has really drove me into my decisions and what I have been doing thus far. So Rosa, how about you? I, that everything that you said resonates a lot with me. I think, I mean, a little bit differently, in a way, obviously, because my experience is different. I wasn't born in the States. I moved to the States when I was 11. And I moved from Peru. And so I already uh, lived a couple years already. I, I got almost all of my primary school, uh, elementary school education in Peru. Mm-hmm. And then moving to the States, it was... It was pretty similar, I would say, because I was in Miami, and Miami is pretty much the capital of Latin America, if you know, if you've ever been. So Mm -hmm. it wasn't really much of a culture shock. I would say that both of my parents went to college, and that was very much expected of me. So my dad is an accountant, and my mom is an obstetrician. So that wasn't even a question. Uh, We were going to go to college, and at least my parents never really told me what to study. But they mm-hmm. kind of 
gave us guidelines of what would be the smart things to study kind yeah. of thing. So because we wanted to go to college and we wanted to do well and we were immigrants, we didn't have that much money. We always had it. The expectation was to do well enough maybe in sports or in school or a combination of the two so we can go to a college. And mm-hmm. that was always an expectation from since the beginning to even out from being in Peru to here. Mm-hmm. And besides my education, I guess one of the uh, the expectation that was very different from because America is uh, the United States is a very individualistic society, mm-hmm. and in Peru, at least my tribe that I would call like my family, mm-hmm. we're very more much a community, right? Yeah. Um, and so it was very different because in Peru, I was raised by my mom and my dad, obviously, but also my whole family. Like everyone mm-hmm. was part of of my of raising me, right? Everybody was there to help me out. Uh, mm-hmm. We all helped each other out. We were all taking care of each other. Mm-hmm. When we moved to the States, it was just us. So I mm-hmm. feel like because of that, I feel like my parents were also have a higher, uh, also pressured by, you know, like the family back then, back in Peru, like, okay, well, we made such a big sacrifice. It has to be worth it, Right. So I always felt like the extra pressure of making sure that I go to school, of go do well in school so I can get a scholarship so I can go to college. That was like my number one like mission in life. Right? I resonate with you. I'm the first in my family and I'm the only child. So my as background, my mom and my dad never graduated high school, actually. Um, my mom had to start working when she immigrated here and my dad just started working um, right before he finished school. And so I think they were, they came to America for a better opportunity for me um, and for me to go to college. I never doubted that, right? That was something, not that I was indebted to, but something because I was already found the rules. College was, of course, I had to do it. And so when thinking about pressure, I don't really know where that really came in. Perhaps it's just something that has been integrated into all my life. But I love your idea about community. I have seven aunts and uncles from both sides. So my dad has uh, six siblings. My mom has six siblings. So I'm part of a huge family and we always took care of each other. Um, so where when I say conflict between two places, it's like I'm living at home right now, but there's times where I just wish I could break free quote unquote I wish I want to make sure my parents are comfortable of course but Mm -hmm. I just want to go somewhere else um, live my own life and see how that is Um, and a little a part of me the reason I can't do that of course is a little bit financial but at the same time with this pandemic and then my dad's health condition not the greatest um, I felt that the only reasonable and logical option is to really stay home there's times when I crave that and then times where I feel guilty for craving that, if that makes sense. I totally understand what you're saying. I mean, for example, what we were saying, how the, the family expectations affects us now. I live in Paris, very, very far away from all my family. Mm-hmm. And when I moved here, I mean, let's start from the beginning. When I moved to New York, mm-hmm. it was such a big move. I, I, was, I was moving there by myself as a woman and just just moving there without anyone my parents were shocked like mm. and they just they just were really 
um, they couldn't understand it, right? Because for mm-hmm. them, family is third. And we're already so separated from our main family. Mm-hmm. Why separate myself more? And I think that that's one of the things that growing up in the States does to you. You become very much an individual. And yeah. I think I became very selfish in a way. And I just wanted to break my way in the world on my own. So I moved to New York so I can save up enough money so I can go to get my master's degree in Europe because I always wanted to travel and I always wanted to see the world. So I felt trapped and I just needed to open myself up and do my own thing. And I don't regret it. Actually, my mom uh, came here to visit me and now she's stuck in Paris because of the whole quarantine thing. I don't regret it. I mean, I feel like even though I'm far away from my family, I'm even closer to them now. As I got older, I think I, I grew up a lot. I mature and I understand a lot of things that they did before that I didn't. But at the same time, I would say that I really do think very differently than them. I I really admire the fact that they're so capable, so able to sacrifice themselves. I wish I was more like that, but I just, I can't. I just really like to open myself to be in the world on my own. Like, I feel like I'm just like you know, like a pack, part of a lone wolf kind of, you know, like I just really like to do my things on my own. So as much as I try to do, like, for example, my family and I were doing bingo tomorrow. The yeah, day, so like cute. next week we're doing a karaoke and we have like every other week we do something, an activity together because of the quarantine. And we try to keep in touch and everything, but I don't see myself, I don't know, ever, maybe not, I don't even see myself, um, going back to Peru to live there or it's, it's different right and all the feedback that we get from our families it shapes us a lot how do you think that has shaped your personality Emily yeah thanks for sharing that Rosa so for me I to be honest right like because I live with my parents I'm compared to a lot of friends or people I talk to I'm actually super close with them right if you think about the typical Asian family you know, the dad is quiet, the mom just takes care of everything. And you don't really talk to either of them. And that's what I've just heard. You know, it's really hard to connect with them because one of the generational gap, of course, and that's not only for Asians, um, but also in terms of just the different experiences, especially if you are from an immigrant family. And lucky enough, while I don't tell my parents everything that's happening in my life, there I'm close to them in the idea that for me, like if you just see my dad and me walking down the street and the way I interact with him, you'll think that he's my older brother. <laughs> like who like just like hits their dad like on this like you know like fist bumps or like hits their dad on the side and jokes with them. Um, that's the kind of relationship I have with him. And so how is she my personality is just like my perspective and my values on how people should be treated and respected, right? So when thinking about relationships and for me I know that if I ever start my own family I want to make sure that I have an open communication with my partner and with my kids um I I I value a partner that values his own family because that's really important to me no matter how independent I want to be I realize like I need to be with family in any way shape or form in order to feel comfortable with myself um be one thing too is when I, w- I was in Boston for university and then I came back to New York because of my grandmother. Um, and so I also, the idea of respecting elders um, and taking care of them is also really important to me. And so while 
I can definitely be a better caretaker because I would say I'm not the greatest at cooking <laughs> or, or uh, take care, like, you know, take care of people. I feel like if they're close, like, knock on wood, any emergency that comes up, I will be the first one there to make sure everyone's okay. Um, so that's how it has shaped me as an individual. How about you, Rosa? Yes, I I feel pretty similar to you in the fact that I do think family is very important. I think that it has shaped my personality in that I, I'm very proud of my roots. I'm very proud of being Native American, of being Peruvian, of look of looking the way I, I do. I am mm-hmm. a programmer, so there's not that many people that look like me around me. So I feel like I kind of try to carry myself with dignity and I always think about my family and how I, how I represent them, you know, the tribe per se, you know, how I, even though I open myself uh, my own way in the world, I am still part of them and I carry them with me. And I'm even getting a little bit emotional because I do, I, even though I'm far, I do feel like they're part of me. And I think that like, one of the things I really love about my family is how they carry themselves with dignity and how they um, they work really hard for the things that they 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 accomplish. Like my grandma had four kids and she didn't even finish elementary school. And yet she had all of her kids. One is an engineer. My mom is an institution. Her sister is a lawyer. My Her other is a teacher so I feel like it has shaped me in that I I do expect a lot from me when I have kids I maybe I may be a little bit of a tiger mom but I think that oh yeah that is it comes from love you know because like yes. I went to the University of Miami and a lot of people around me had money and we didn't so I was very much you know aware of my roots and aware of who I am and the contest and I, you know, I had a lot of friends that graduated in philosophy and graduated with, you know, a major in singing and that's perfect for them, you know, because maybe they have, like, maybe they open themselves up in the world and that's great. But when you are first generation, you don't only open the world for yourself, but for others as well, for those behind you and for those next to you, which are your parents. So I, I always was glad that my parents were very mindful and very there to guide me to just you know like I love philosophy but I didn't become a philosophy major I become a computer science major and I'm banking right now no, I'm just kidding no, not really <laughs> I live in Fresno <laughs> but, but I still have a good job and I can't really so do you think what you chose eventually as a major and, and your current career trajectory it was a product of not only your interests right but also that interest of your from your parents right the idea of the financial stability yes definitely I mean I love computer science um and also my family from my dad's side one of my uncles had a computer company in Peru and so I always I was always uh kind of exposed to computers and technology so I always liked it from a very young age but I think it was also a big a part of okay well you know like we cannot Oh, we, you cannot be a creative basket weaving person if, if you want to make money, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, I really liked that my family is realistic, you know? Like, 
I love the whole American mentality of you can be whatever you want to be, but at the same time, like, you have to also be realistic, right? And I think that's what I love about, like, having this crashes of cultures because I feel like I get to pick whatever I find best in each and I just become a, who I want to be from both cultures. How do you feel about that, Emily? <laughs> Rosa, this one is a tricky question. So I asked you that career question because it's, it resonates so much with me. So for some background, I studied uh, marketing and entrepreneurship back at Northeastern in Boston. Um, and the reason why I chose that career path was because uh, my dad was actually an entrepreneur when he came to the United States. It was actually first a candle business, and then they moved it to a handbag business. So they ha had a warehouse in Long Island. And remember when I was a little kid, um, I would actually travel with them because they would do shows around the East Coast. It's kind of like uh, trading trade shows. They were selling their handbags as a wholesaler to other businesses. And I think from that, that's where I really started loving business. I would be, I remember that one time when I was a little kid, uh, I was in charge of the booth. I don't know why I was in charge. I was really tidy, but I think my parents had to go somewhere. And I remember just like going up to one of the business owners and then just selling this handbag and talking to him about it. <laughs> and then I also remember it was definitely long days too because of the amount of travel. Sometimes I would get really tired. So I would like sleep underneath the table while my, my parents were still like uh, manning the booth. And so a little that, a bit of that, I just respected my parents, right? They just started everything from scratch. Uh, when they came to the U.S., they knew little to no English. Um, and so that entrepreneurial spirit has really... Uh, driven into me and that's why I pursued marketing. So I came back to New York and then I was actually working on media agencies for a few years um, doing analytics. So again, still part of that marketing business mindset. But for me, I, here, here's kind of that divergence, right? So while Rosa, it seems like you just stayed on the engineering path, something you loved, I just knew that marketing and the media life was just not something that I wanted. And so there was a time when I just quit my last job and that was like two and a half years ago and I took six months off and to be honest it wasn't taking it off it was I couldn't find another job and I didn't know what I wanted to do for me I went to that American value of like what is something I'm passionate about and how can I pursue it and so for background now I have switched to an education nonprofit um, working in partnerships so we work with other organizations to build college and career programs for their students. And I love it. It's wonderful work. I have an amazing team. I feel like I'm actually doing something kind of quote for the greater good, though in a way that really affects the partners and the people that I work with. So while it has been such fulfilling work, there's always that part of me that says, is this enough? You know, right? Like, is this enough money? Is this something that can sustain you for the future? And it's, I feel like we can never have everything. Back at my old job, I made a good amount of money, right? Or you hate the day-to-day -day work, or you have an amazing job, but then there's always this another pressure of like something else. And for me right now, something else is just the finances, right? Thinking about the next five years, is this really sustainable? And so Rosa, it's hearing you say that CompSci is amazing for you, like you love it. And it's something that is also financially stable. In a way, I'm kind of jealous because... I wish I could sustain this path, but I also know that if I do want to purchase a, you know, apartment in the future for my parents, if I need to sustain and live in New York and take care of them, like this path is might not necessarily be 
something that is going to look the same in five years. So Rosa, you did mention that you end up pursuing computer science. Um, were there any career shifts or changes for you after you graduated um, and pursued that career? And, and did family influence that in any way? My family has very progressive views, to put it mm-hmm. lightly. <laughs> so when I first uh, finished college, I, I took a couple of months off just to party and just, you know, hang out. And then I decided to work for Citibank. And at the beginning, my parents were a bit annoyed because they wanted me to, they they wanted me to be more flexible. And they knew that if I work for one of those big corporations, I was just gonna be a number. And, and they knew me, and they knew that I wasn't for me. But I wanted to make the big bucks, and I wanted to go to New York eventually. So I thought that that was the best way to get there. Yeah. So they actually encouraged. They actually didn't want you to work at this big company. No. But I think it's also because my parents, like, I mean, I don't know. I, I think that the, at first, I mean, I, I, at least for the first couple of years, I mean, my, my it's different for me because my parents are divorced and they both had their own, have their own life. You know, my, my dad is remarried and so is my mom. So it's, it's a different, you know, like, I don't want to say that I don't have a home to go back to. I have two, but it's not my original home. So it, it's, it's a little bit different for me, right? And and for my brother as well. So they, they didn't want me to, I mean, they were happy that I got a really good job at Citibank, but at the same time, they wanted me to do something maybe like a smaller company where I could do more things and learn more. Because it is true that in, in big companies, you do get pigeonholed and you do the yeah. same thing over and over again, right? So I still decided to go to Citibank and then I went to New York and I mean, I feel like most of my career decisions had been now what my parents kind of wanted it for me. Like, for example, like my dad wishes that I will, you know, take a six months off and just like, you know, crank up a, an, an app and you know, <laughs> make them, yeah, the next Zuckerberg or something like that. I think Silicon my, Valley. Yeah, like my dad really wishes that I. He sees, he says that he sees the potential in me to become my own boss. But I mean, not that I don't want to, I, I really do. And I think that, that maybe that's something, and I have tried to do it. And maybe that's something that will come again in the future. But I I do feel like I am someone that is very passionate in the things that I do. And when things are just myself, I, I became, become very much overwhelmed by them. I don't know. I may, maybe it's a way to to feel that I don't have all the pressure to just if I work for someone else, I don't, it doesn't have to be perfect in a way. But if I work for myself, I am a really hard boss, <laughs> and <sighs> to be perfect, I don't know. I guess that's what it is. But I think that that's what that's how my parents are still part of my life because my mom is a perfectionist, right? Yeah. Like I can't even clean my house because she wants it to be clean in a certain way, kind of thing. For me, what I'm trying to do now is just really put myself in the idea of a growth mindset. And for those of you don't who don't know the difference, right? Fixed mindset is like when you encounter a problem and you fail it, this idea that you can't come back from it, you can't grow back from it. A growth mindset is the opposite. Of you, they take failure as opportunity, and for opportunity to actually be better in the future. And so this dilemma that I have right now, I am trying to take as a growth mindset where it's like, yes, you're in this industry now, but you're still young. 
and there perhaps can be other opportunities to grow where you could get the best of both worlds. And I think I'm trying to be positive in that way. Um, I mean, if you think about career switches, obviously now is not a good time for it, but thinking about two, three years ahead, um, what that can look like and start planning ahead, I think for me is my next step. I think that that's also one of the things that I got in from my family, especially from my grandma, because my grandma has had a very difficult life, but yeah, just the most positive person that I ever met. And I really cannot complain. Like if I compare my life to anyone from my family, my life has been just so easy. (laughs) Like compared to everybody else, like my mom used to walk to school. It's just... It's crazy how my family has progressed so fast from one generation to the other. So I, I do feel like I I have the, the responsibility that if I have kids, which I don't think I will, but <laughs> I think I will be a good aunt to instill those values on on the next generation. Are you going to be, so you're going to be the cool aunt, right? So are you going to pamper my kids, Rosa? I'm going to be like cool Tia, you know, the one that comes in and like, <laughs> like, you know, like, maybe it's a cougar. Maybe has a little young man to the side. <laughs> That's amazing. Everybody's doing Lego sets because we're all becoming engineers. <laughs> I, I love to wrap up this episode, too, with just what is the one most memorable memory you want to share with us? There are so many. Like, I guess I will have to give you two because my parents are divorced. <laughs> so I guess I'm cheating that way. But with my mom, I guess it will be um, like two years ago, we went back to Christ- to have Christmas in Peru with my brother. And we haven't spent Christmas in Peru in a very long time. And it was um, just having being there in Nochebuena with my family was amazing. I haven't done it in so long. And just feeling the warmth of my people and just being in a room that you know everybody wants and wishes the very best for you is such an amazing feeling and then with my dad I think with my dad it's more when we go when we go to Key West and we go uh fishing I just really like the scent that he brings he's the most peaceful person I know like the world can be on fire and yet he remains calm and I wish I could be more like him sometimes because I do get um worked up in things that I shouldn't so I think that that would be my two memories what about yours yeah that's that's amazing well since you're doing two I'm gonna do two too (laughs) it's only fair I the first memory I want to bring my grandmother into this because for I was basically her eighth daughter um she is a huge part of my life um but my parents were traveling for work she took care of me so one memory that I have in elementary school, we would walk together to go back home, and there would always there would be like a Japanese like maple tree that's along the way, and uh, my I forgot who bought it, but we have this like huge book that's hard copy, and it's like Arthur, like the show Arthur, and my grandma would love uh, pressing leaves in into that book and then dry it out, and so I remember one time. We just walked down the street, we found the maple tree, and we plucked a leaf out. We went back home, and then we would actually put it into that author book. And so, like, once in a while, me and my grandma would open it and would see all the dry leaves that we've collected together. 
uh, on our walks back home. And that's, I think that's something that like, I would say I, t- I took my grandmother for granted and something that really is, a, is important memory for me. So that's one. And then another is just, I think with my parents, um, we're really close. So the, all that we would always go on uh, trips to uh, Disney World. And so Disney World was a place. I have been to Disney World like eight times already. It's crazy. Um, so one memory I had was just like us going to Magic Kingdom. The three of us, we uh, had, I also love eating there. So they, I don't know if they have any more, but they have turkey legs there. So I remember one time, like we just bought like three turkey legs. Uh, we were like standing in the middle of the street because they were about to have a parade. And we were just like chewing on our turkey legs while we were waiting for the parade to start. And so it's just the idea that like I really shouldn't take my parents for granted because they they care for me, right? I'm their only daughter. And yo, yeah, so those are the two that really resonate with me. That was so sweet. Thanks for sharing that. <laughs> Thank you. Um, so thanks, everyone, for joining us for today, talking about family expectations. Um, it definitely has been a very emotional episode, and I know super different from what we talked about <laughs> in episode one. It's just beautiful to be able to share honestly with you all just how that has affected us growing up, and we hope that it resonates with everyone. Um, so we'll see you soon. Bye. Bye.